Kevin Mondro here, Coach Dro, the head women's basketball coach at Cleary University. Welcome back to the Tell Me Your Story Coach podcast, the podcast where we advocate coaches and help young coaches learn from the coaches telling these stories. Today, we are talking to Coach Carl Thomas. Coach Thomas is currently the head men's basketball coach at Cleary University. Cleary University is an NAIA university in the WAC Conference. And this past summer, Cleary University added both men's and women's basketball. Cleary University will start competing next season. Coach Carl Thomas is a staple in the state of Michigan, a former three-sport athlete at Lansing Everett High School. Coach Thomas and his twin brother, Charles, selected Eastern Michigan as their college destination, where they both had sensational college basketball careers. Playing for Coach Ben Braun, Coach Thomas was part of massive success at EMU. EMU would win two MAC championships, and the 1991 team advanced to the NCAA Sweet 16. Coach Carl finished his career at EMU with 1,179 points, 452 rebounds, 185 made three-pointers, and 249 assists. And recently, Coach Carl Thomas was selected to the Eastern Michigan Hall of Fame. After his great playing career ended in Ypsilanti, Coach Carl played 63 games in the NBA with the Sacramento Kings, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Golden State Warriors, and the Orlando Magic. Check this out. Carl and Charles Thomas are one of nine set of twins who have both played in the NBA. Coach Thomas would also play overseas in France, Sweden, Greece, and Italy. After his professional playing career concluded, Coach Thomas knew that he wanted to be a college coach. Prior to being the first coach in the history of Cleary University, Coach Thomas has had coaching assistant stops at Maryland Eastern Shore, Owens Community College, and Eastern Michigan. In addition, Coach Thomas was a head junior college coach at Jackson College for four seasons. Coach Thomas recently spent the past six seasons on the Duquesne University's coaching staff with Coach Keith Dambrot as the assistant to the head coach. And as you soon will find out, Coach Thomas has an incredible passion for the game of basketball, for teaching basketball, and making an impact in young people's lives. However, you'll also hear a sense of loyalty for those who have played such a massive part of his professional career that is inspiring. Finally, Coach Thomas is truly about family. And trust me, you want to hug your parents or embrace your children, grandchildren, or spouse after this wonderful conversation. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform that you are currently listening. Remember, we are everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Please keep telling your coaching friends about this podcast. The bigger audience we can create, the bigger impact we can make with younger coaches. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Instagram at Tell Me Your Story Coach. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Twitter at Coach Kevin Dro. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Kevin Mondro. By the way, if you need fall gear and uniforms for this upcoming season, check out my show notes below and connect with Moneyball Sportswear today. Enter the promo code DRO and gear up. If you're looking for a great book to read and you have heard episode 87 with coach Rob Murphy, then you have to grab a copy of his book, Deep, The Life of Rob Murphy, Alive with Purpose. See my show notes for how you can secure a copy of this amazing book by Coach Murph. Finally, if you're looking for a great book to pre-order, please pre-order Rashad Phillips' book, Basketball Position Metric. Rashad Phillips breaks down how the evolution of basketball has called for updated terminology for player positions. 
See my show notes for how you can pre-order this book by this incredible basketball mind. Enough of Coach Dro. Let's get to Coach Carl Thomas and share his story. Carl, why do you coach? Why do I coach? That's a great question, Kevin. I think for the most part, just I love the game so much and it's given so much to me. I thought it was a natural progression. Like, you know, I, I thought as a little kid, you know, you work hard, you make the team, you make your high school team, you go to college and play. If you're good enough, you play in the pros. And then when you get done playing, you, you, you just get into coaching because that's what you know. And uh, I've been lucky that my career has followed that path. But uh, now that I've been in it so long, I'm going to year 20. I just love being around, around the guys. I love still being in the locker room. I love the smell of the gym. I might sound weird. I love being in the smell of the gym, still hearing the shoes squeak. But a chance to, now my sons are older now, and I don't have the, the young boys anymore. It gives me a chance to stay young and, and help young men fulfill their dreams. It's been a great ride for me so far. The smell of the gym, what does that mean? I guess you got to be a hooper to understand that. I mean, it, you know, just getting in there, just on the wood, you know, if a shot goes in the basket, right, the way the net's hit, you know, the sound of the net, maybe the squeak of the shoes or something when somebody makes a hard cut to, to go in a dunk or make a backdoor layup. It just, I mean, it's like Bowen Fieldhouse when I was at Eastern Michigan. It has a unique smell. Mm-hmm. Not that it's good or bad to anybody that would walk in there, but you just brings back a lot of memories of exciting times. So. so your playing career is, it's just simply incredible. Standout prep player in Lansing. Football, baseball, and basketball. You attend Eastern Michigan, almost 1,800 points, almost 500 rebounds, which I did not know. I knew of the 185 threes made and 250 assists. Twice MAC conference champs, two times NCAA tournaments, a Sweet 16 in 1991. Then you play 63 games in the NBA with the Kings, Warriors, Cavs, and Magic. In addition, you played overseas. Carl, what really drove you as a player? Let me um, take in all you said first. I mean, that's a that's a lot of stuff. You know, you don't really realize what you accomplished until it's almost over. It was closer to twelve hundred, not eighteen hundred. I wish it was eighteen hundred. I just think that just the love of sports. Like you said, I played all three. I didn't really know what I wanted to do until I got to my senior year in college. I enjoyed all three. I enjoyed football. My brother was a quarterback. Threw me a lot of passes. I was a tight end in baseball. I, I enjoyed you know being out in the field, hitting the ball. I had about ten home runs. I think in my career in high school. I just Enjoyed being out there. In basketball, I think as I got, you know, I didn't really get big, big enough to play football, I thought, in college. And basketball seemed to come a little easier with some of the accolades I was getting there. So I kind of went into basketball. But just being a sportsman, I just enjoy just being out there competing. And the older I got, and you see the fans in the stands, just to be able to entertain people, to show them the hard work that you put in, and to be able to culminate at, at a night of, a, of enjoyment for fun, especially when you win. That's just something that, I mean, unless you're in it, you, it's hard to describe, but... I just enjoyed all that feeling. So you and your brother, Charles, were recently inducted into the Eastern Michigan Hall of Fame. Played at Eastern. We just talked about tremendous career. Coached at Eastern. What does Eastern truly mean to Carl Thomas? I did mention Bowen Fieldhouse, right? I mean, I'm talking yeah. about a smell of a gym. Just great, great memories. And I think that it was it's special. My, my grandfather went to Eastern Michigan. I didn't even know it before we got recruited. Hmm. And I, I had no idea where it was. But I knew it, looking at the style they played, it was a place I could play. Uh, right away, hopefully as a freshman, which happened for me. But to be able to do something no one at that school had ever done before. Like you said, we had two MAC championships. So uh, the first year, getting a chance to play with Grant Long. I met him the year before at the banquet and just seemed like a great guy and was going to be a future pro. And I, I really wanted to play with him. Uh, just a very infectious to, to everybody on the team. And even to this day, we're friends and he's the same Grant Long, right? But having a chance to play on a championship team with a, with a player like that was something intriguing as a freshman. And then to be able to do it again as a senior and winning the second one, going to a Sweet 16. How could you not love that? I became a pro from there. I got to play with my brother there. I got my degree from there. I was close to my family. It checked a lot of boxes. But being able to go there, and now I'm in the Hall of Fame there, as you said. So yeah. uh, it checked a lot of boxes for me and, and a lot of great experiences. But be able to do it with my twin brother the whole time was really great. Sweet 16, 
when you watch the NCAA tournament every year, are you like, wow, I had a chance to go to the Elite Eight? Like, what was that like? Yeah, well, we did for a half had a chance to go to the Elite Eight. You know, <laughs> North Carolina kind of stepped it up with all of the high ranking players and first round draft picks. But no, I mean, I look at back at it right now at what, 31, 32 years later. I just aged myself right there. I probably shouldn't have done that. But it's very rare to get to the NCAA tournament alone, right? Let alone get to the Sweet 16. Right. And and you can see what, how that is with Mac schools right now today. How many have been to the Sweet 16? I think five. And the Mac's been around for you know decades and decades and decades. So to be able to look back on it now as an older player that got to go through that experience, you're in a select few. A lot of people try to get to it, and they don't get to reach that goal. So I hope Eastern can get back there one day. But right now, knowing how difficult it is, I don't want to say it because I don't want to jinx them or anything, but it's going to be hard to top getting to the Sweet 16 and any team that comes to Eastern Michigan. So to be able to have that on our resume for all the players that played in that era, you know, they can't take that from us. And we always have that over anybody. Even the Earl Boykins team that beat Duke, everybody wants to think they were the greatest team, but they didn't get to the Sweet 16. We did. Yeah, two tremendous teams, just incredible high-level basketball. It's, it's just amazing when you think about it. It's also amazing. We're, we're going to talk about your new role here as the head men's basketball coach at Clear University, and we actually share an office. But the other day, my wife was like, what's Coach Thomas like? I'm like, well, <laughs> I am sharing an office with a, a coach that played in the NBA for over 50 games, and it's incredible when you think about that. What was it like playing in the NBA? It's a, it's a surreal feeling at first. I mean, a lot of kids that join sports, they want to go to the top NFL Major League Baseball, NBA, National Hockey League, right? Everybody wants to get to that ultimate goal. Honestly, I never really thought about it. I thought about the process of being good and enjoying the game. I really did. And, you know, putting in the work obviously helps. And everybody talks about putting in the work, putting in the work. In the back of my mind, yes, of course I want to be a pro, but I never thought about it. I just thought about enjoying the moment and getting better at everything that I did. Uh, so when I was able to reach that goal, I speechless, right? Everybody asked me, what gym was the best gym you ever played in? Every single one is in the NBA. I can't choose one. Uh, what city? I can't choose one. It's in the NBA. I was I was blessed to be there. So to think about, there's four thousand seven hundred and something, almost forty eight hundred NBA players in the history of the seventy five years of the NBA, and to say I was one of those forty seven hundred, wow, that's mind blowing. It is. I think Tim McCormick said one good thing about me. I think my second year, he was announcing a game. I think we were playing the Sixers. And I had I thanked Timmy because I thought he helped me out a little bit as far as my confidence. And, and he was doing a, a Cavs-Sixers game. And I heard him say, one thing you can say about Carl Thomas right now in his second year is that he looks like he belongs on the floor. And I'll never forget Tim said that when I heard the replay. And all you want to do is people believe that you belong there, right? I mean, you work so hard and you get all these doubters and things like that. And, and to hear Tim say that about me made me feel good. And I had, you know, it showed. I mean, I think I only averaged like three and a half points my second year in nine minutes. I think if you doubled my minutes, I probably would have been a little bit better. But uh, the experience alone, a lot of people aren't going to reach that. And I was able to do it. My yep. brother as well. Like to have, <laughs> I'm not saying I was going to tell you you're going to ask that question, but my brother as well. And, and how many families, like my parents, we don't talk about a lot in the house anymore, but how do your parents feel if you have, you know, two sons that you raised and both of them make it to the highest level? Yeah. You know, that's amazing for my family to be able to experience. And I'm glad my mom and dad got a chance to experience that. You know, NBA, is it just, I mean, you're an elite shooter. Just guys don't miss. I mean, just one or two takeaways from your experience playing. Well, my shooting partner, for instance, we'll, we'll start with that was Danny Ferry. You know, college player of the year coming from Duke, whether you hate him or like him, Danny was a great player. And just the attention to detail those guys in that level are. And Danny was my, like I said, my shooting partner. Dude didn't miss. I, I don't, I mean, everything was effortlessly too. It is the work you put in. Like 
I did it myself. I get in the gym and it's nothing to get in there and make 500 and, and want to go in there for another five because that's your craft and you want to perfect it. I think the older I got, I became a technician from my footwork to my hand placement on the ball to how I want to get, how I want to get into my shot in different angles. So becoming a student of the game, even at a deeper level when you come a pro, because if you're not and you're marginal, a player, you're going to be in the minor leagues or you will be out of the league. So just taking it as serious as you do anything that you work in your regular job. Well, that's my regular job. I better be great at it. So anything you do like that, you have to work. Circling back to Eastern, what was Ben Braun like as a coach? Mr. English teacher. Ben was an English teacher coming from Siena Heights and very meticulous about things that he wanted. Wasn't a big yeller or screamer. That was Dan Brott. My first two years, I actually thought he was the head coach my first two years. He was screaming so much and Coach <laughs> Braun wasn't. But Ben was very, very detail-oriented, on and off the floor, time management oriented as well. I mean, we had a 15-minute rule, and and he didn't leave anybody, but you know, you knew you had to be there 15 minutes early. Some of the small things he did as far as his demeanor and in, in handling adversity with not going crazy with some things. Now, he had his moments as a coach like all coaches have, but his demeanor through adversity, I think I would take away from him trying to be calm at some things because he wasn't a big yeller or screamer. He was more of a teacher like he did. Like I said, he was an English teacher first, and that's how he taught on the floor. So you mentioned Coach Dambrot, one of your assistant coaches at Eastern, Coach LeBron James. I ran into him at Akron, had no success against him when we were at Eastern Michigan with Coach Murphy. You're coming off five years with Coach Mm -hmm. at Duquesne. Who is Keith Dambrot? Coach Keith Dambrot is a, he talks about, and he is a relationship person. If you look at his staff, everybody in his staff played for him. I mean, he rarely goes outside the family to, I think even replacing me at Duquesne right now, he's going to get a former player. He just brought in Drew Joyce when he lost Steve McNeese. He's a former player. So I think he's, he stays loyal to the guys that have, that have helped him win. He's another guy that he might not want to know, think that he's like Ben Braun, but he's a very meticulous and smart individual as well. Very detailed on how he wants things done. He still has notes from, I think, his first year of coaching about how he had a practice run. And he'll go back and look at that because if it worked, he wants to run it again. And he hasn't changed much in that approach in his 30 years plus years of being a coach. So very passionate on the floor, very energetic. You're going to get a fiery coach if you play for him, but players, he gets players to do it. One of the best things about him is his defensive acumen. I think that the way his approach to the defensive end of the floor is, is second to none. And being through his practices, I didn't realize how – you wouldn't realize how much defense that he wants through in practice until you coach with him. And we're doing 45 minutes to an hour in practice, not touching the ball. But if you look at his teams defensively, it makes sense. And gives guys freedom on offense to play a little bit, especially now the game has changed a little bit. He's, he's done that throughout the years. But defensively, I, I think he's second to none as far as knowing what to do on that end of the floor. So you mentioned mom and dad, and we were just sitting here before we recorded, and your dad was on the phone with you, and <laughs> you're laughing yeah. with them. And obviously you and your brother have these amazing pictures of you guys golfing together. But, I mean, you mentioned they have to be so proud that both you and your brother played in the NBA. Yeah. What type of parents were your parents? I said in my Hall of Fame speech last year at Eastern Michigan that if you're lucky to have parents like I had that spoiled you with their time, right? People want to get spoiled with money. People want to get spoiled with things and gifts. We had some of those things growing up, middle-class family growing up, so we didn't get a lot, but we got some things growing up. We weren't poor. What my parents did and that I, my takeaway was that what you do with JJ, everything that happens, you're there, right? So every game, my mom and dad was there. Played in the Sweet 16. They flew out to be the Sweet 16. We went to Nebraska as a to the Meadowlands in New Jersey. We went to Nebraska my freshman year. They were in Nebraska. Went to San Juan, Puerto Rico for a shootout my junior year. They were in San Juan. So one of the, the special things and relationships that Charles and I have with our parents is that they spoiled us so much with their time that how could you not love people that do that for you? Everything we would achieve is because of them. The only work that we had to do in the summers or doing, doing with our chores and in, in practice. 
they took everything else, but we were going to not miss those and we're going to do the best of our ability. But they were there to do that. I meant what I said in my Hall of Fame speech. If you have parents like that, that can be there for you in that, in that capacity and not, not financially because they were there for that as well, but not over the top, but their time. People, kids want their time with their parents. And my mom and dad gave us that in abundance. So you were just named, we just mentioned, you were just named the new head coach at Cleary University. Cleary starting both men's and women's basketball. We're both on the recruiting trail right now. Yeah, congratulations to you too. Thanks so much. Why Cleary at this point of your career? Well, the first was the opportunity to be a head coach again, mm-hmm. right? And be closer to home. I mean, Pittsburgh was great. I, I miss Duquesne still because my, my brother's there. Uh, the city was nice and treated me well. But just a chance to be a head coach and close to home. I have a four-year-old grandson. It was important. That's autistic. So it was important that I was, and we talked about that time a minute ago, time spent, and I wasn't getting that like I wanted to. So my wife was doing everything, you know, with, with my kids. So it's, even though they're 30 and 27 in October, November, they took a lot of the onus on him, helped him raise him. And I wanted to be around and not miss that to be able to, I'm called Paw Paw, like my dad was Paw Paw. So I wanted to be there for him. Uh, so to be able to be a head coach and be home, I couldn't pass it up, right? And then also uh, Heather Bateman. Obviously, she hired me, but she's the main reason why I'm here. To have a relationship that I had with her, I was a head coach for her at Jackson Community College. And when she asked me, she got the job here. She said, hey, we got to start up men's basketball. I'm like, I'm your guy. Because really, do you get to find somebody you really enjoy working with every single day? And she, I call her boss all the time, and she doesn't like that. No, we're partners in this. And her passion, her vision for things that she wants done, I think is unmatched as well. As far as at this level, she doesn't matter level. She's a, she's a rock star wherever she goes, I think. But just to be able to work with her again was something I couldn't pass up. So you've been a high-level assistant coach at many levels for a long time. We're going to talk about your four years at Jackson here in a second. But what has always been your mindset as an assistant coach? Mindset as an assistant is to, is to make sure the head coach gets what he wants so we don't get fired. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I mean, true. I, it's true. That's what we got to do. If you don't want to get fired, you better do everything you can as an assistant to make sure your boss looks good. And I learned that from, you know, Coach Charles Ramsey was a great mentor in that aspect. You know, he, he taught me right away that uh, you got to do the work, right? That we got to look good. Don't answer questions that you can't answer. It's, it's, it's on my head, right? So I learned to do anything I can to support my boss, you know, which – Kind of really is what I do anyway is being a twin. I mean, I, Charles is, acts like the boss, and I am I make sure he's he looks good. He, he probably won't say it that way, but that's what kind of happens. So I know when Coach Ramsey gave me my first opportunity to be a coach and to be an assistant coach back at my alma mater, and the things that he wanted me to do as a self-starter, I have to relish to this day the things that he helped me with. The meticulous in his game planning, you know, he's like Dan Brown in that aspect where he, his notes go back so far, but he has them saved to go back to the, his references. And I think that sometimes coaches pull stuff out of their hat and it just happens. No, there's a process to it. And I, and I think Rams, uh, Coach Ramsey, you know, helped me with that part is looking back on it right now. During that moment, I probably thought, why are you being so hard on me? But now I looked that he just wanted me to be good. And being an assistant coach, you have to be re- willing to do a lot of stuff that the head coach had done before. So if he had to do it before to get to his level, and I want to be a head coach one day myself, I can't be too good not to do it. So I looked at everything as a challenge and a responsibility to the program. So it's funny. I've been here with you now for about a week. And every time around you, your phone never stops ringing. (laughs) And obviously you're doing your job high level, trying to create and build this roster for this university. But it's also so many former players. It's mind boggling. I mean, the guys at Duquesne. Guys you coached at Jackson, guys you coached at Eastern. And then obviously with your brother, you guys, if you just follow you guys on social media, it's incredible how much time you spend with the players, especially just coming off at Duquesne. How do you create these real honest player relationships? I got to go back to mom and dad on that. You know, they did 
they put a, still some values in us that, you know, I'm glad I still have as an adult. The love of the game and being around young people. You know, when I didn't, when I, we got let go at Eastern Michigan, you know, I, I taught a class at Eastern. You know, I was around students that way. Uh, I also worked as an intervention specialist at two different schools, at Da Vinci Institute and at, and at Ever Pioneer. So I'm working with students and young people. So my mom always says, you, if you didn't coach, you should, you'd be an administrator. So I just think that in my nature is to want to uh, nurture and help help uh, young men to become better than themselves. So being good at basketball didn't hurt with me being a coach. Uh, but I think the relationships, I think that you, when you have them with young people like that, they can see the realness in you, right? And especially when I became a head coach, I said, I'm not going to lie to get a player. I'm not going to do it. I can't live with myself. I, if I get a kid here all this way, I had a kid from Alaska Jackson. The last thing I'm going to do is lie to that kid from Alaska <laughs> to come all the way here and not trust me in who I am. I have to be who I am. And uh, with that, re- at being a head coach, you have the bigger responsibility to be honest with these kids. I mean, I'm, and I can live with myself every night. My dad was my assistant coach at Jackson. So that's another thing, too. I'm, I can't act a fool or be nuts if my dad is right there next to me. My mom's looking at me across the way because they're at every game. So the integrity of the game and helping these young people, like I said, I have to give credit to my parents because they put that in me. What difference is there for you maintaining these amazing relationships as a head coach versus being an assistant coach? The main difference is that you have the final say as a head, so you're not liked as much, right? Coach Darenbrot said that all the time. Uh, no one likes me, but they let me when I was an assistant, right? And I think I try to balance that out from all the great coaches I've been under, from Charles Ramsey to Ben Braun, who coached me, to Keith Danbert, who I worked with, to Larry Lissette, who when I was in Maryland Eastern Shore, my first, first, very first job when I got done playing from overseas, just taking a piece from everybody and trying to implement in my style. And at the end of the day, I, I think just being me helps me. And I want to be that relationship guy. I want it with our players. A funny story I can share with you is when I was at Jackson, Matt Bullinger, who is a uh, grad assistant right now at Wayne State, we had a joke that my, my first meeting, I said, hey, I'm not your dad, but you're on my team now. So I want to respect because I am your dad while you're here playing for me. Right. So we go through, you know, through a week, our relationships get a little stronger. And he says, Coach T, come here. I said, yeah, Matt. He said, call me. I'm like, call you? Why am I going to call you? I'm standing right next to you. He said, no, Coach, call me. Call me. You'll, you'll like this. You'll like this. So I dialed him up and I called him and as his ringing, he shows me the phone and it says coach dad. <laughs> so we had a good laugh about it, but the story about the relationship part, 10 years later in his phone, it still says coach dad. And when we hang up the phone, he tells me, I love you, dad. So he got the message that how I wanted the relationship to be and what I was trying to be about. So even when I was yelling at him and barking on him, I have a couple of pictures where I'm covering my mouth. So you can't see me yelling at him, but even through all the hard coaching that I gave him, he still feels that way about me. So that's another reason why you asked him why I coached earlier. You can't get that feeling back either. Other than having my own sons, Austin and Brandon, and my grandson right now, Kobe, who is Kobe, Brandon, Carl. He has a little bit of my name as well. So mm. your players are like your kids. And if you if you love them and, and, and treat them a certain way, they're going to come back to you and respect how you did it, hard coaching or not. And uh, again, that's one of the things I love about this business. You've got a chance to impact lives in a, in a great way. So how do you want to play at Clary? How do I want to play? I mean, everybody wants to say, I want to play fast. I want to be, you know, get the fans' excitement in there. I mean, we all say that as coaches, right? I do want to play a little fast. I mean, obviously, you know, I tell my guys, if we don't score in four or five possessions, you've been looking my hand up in the air, we're slowing down, I'm calling to play. But I want to play some, you know, one, three, one, a little bit. I want to be long and athletic. I won that way as a college player. We had long athletic wings. We had a, a great post player and we had good guard play. So I want to be long and athletic. I think every kid I've had on campus so far has been. Uh, Six three or, or taller. The biggest kid has been six nine. So I want to be long and athletic. I want to play a little one three one. We're going to play some switching defense. We're going to put, play up tempo and trap a little bit. Um, in the full court and the half court, 
try to play an exciting brand that you can recruit to because kids, kids want to play that way. I also want a bunch of shooters. You know, I can't say what type of shooters I want because it's a bad word, but everybody knows when a kid pulls up for a jump shot, everybody's yelling, oh, you know what? I want about four or five of those because I can be a great coach in my X and O's and call great plays, but if no one can finish them at the end of them, it doesn't really mean anything. So I want to recruit some shooters as well as some 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 athletes. And it'll be a little bit of different type of athlete here, obviously, than you can get at Duquesne or even Eastern Michigan for that matter. That's why it's called work. If it was easy, everybody could do it. For sure. When you mentioned shooting, what do you value in shooting? Like what makes a player a great shooter? How do you coach shooting? First of all, coaching shooting, I mean, I think that I, I like to break guys down all the way. I tell them to their toenails, and Dan Bright had me do that sometimes with our guys. And, you know, I like you know, the tempo and rhythm of guys have. I like their foot placement. I like their hand placements. Their rhythm of their hop shooting or their, they go into it left, right, if they're, if they're right-handed or right, left, if they're left-handed. How it comes off their hands, how they hold the ball. You know, Lonzo Ball made a little shoot a deep. He had that thing coming across his body, but he eventually had to change it. So trying to get guys more technically sound. But every, knowing everybody has a different way they shoot the ball and try to perfect the way they shoot it, but a little technique-wise. And a lot of it starts with their feet. A lot of it starts with their feet. Being a shooter myself and how I played and made my mark in this basketball game, shooting is a premium for me. And you're going to have to see how to shoot the ball a little bit or be pretty special in the defensive end to play for me. Uh, guys that can shoot have a better opportunity. Because like I said, at the end of the day, the way the game is right now with the three-point line, if you have a team that can't shoot, and we found that out at Duquesne, you know, we shot 28% last year, but we were 6-24. and 24. Well, can't make shots when you need to make shots. So I think now in the way the game is played, shooting has to be at a premium. What about how do you want to lead? Hopefully by example. I mean, it's a cliche to say we got to lead by example, but I, I think that I'll give you a quick story. Maybe I could tell you that better. This happened recently the other day, and I had a recruit on campus. And at the end of it, I shut the door and had his dad out of the room, and I said, okay, why do you want to come here? And he said, Coach, honestly, how you are with your seeing you with your grandson and how you are with your grandson, I can imagine how you are with your players. And that's why I want to come here. No basketball stuff. So wow. the kid saw me as a leader. I had another kid that I recruited. He said, you know what, Dad? Coach Coach Thomas talks to me. I just feel like I want to do something. Like I got to do something good. You know, so I, I want to lead by example. I don't want to lead by rhetoric. But I want to be real about everything I do. I think if I'm genuine and they see the genuineness in my actions and, and the thoughtfulness, how I, why am I doing these things I'm doing, not just telling you to do it? I'll get more out of, out of these young men on the basketball court. So, And again, that's me. That's my second nature, and that's how I am. I mean, if you ask any of my friends, especially my, some of my colleagues that I've worked with before, they just I can't really explain what it is, but they have a presence about me that they just want to be with me, hang out, listen to me, come in my office and sit. Sometimes like, man, I need a minute by myself. I don't need you in my office right now. But I really don't try to think about that. I just try to be myself, and hopefully that comes across the right way is practice the best time for you i mean do you love practice or are you more of a game guy and figuring out like all these strategic plays and or moves these chess moves to make i think i like both i, I think the practice part is where you can get the relationships better because you're seeing players can see you at a different line as a coach because you're going to be young and scream a little bit but it's more teaching so they get to see your personality i was a juco coach for four, six years so the four years as a, as a head coach they got to see my whole persona from before game, after game, after win, after a loss. They got to ride in that 15 passenger van with me or they got to be in the locker room with me. So I think those times in my junior college experience and how I handle players, especially after a loss, the raw emotion they got to see. Well, OK, coach is mad. We see it. Why? But we understand why, because they knew who I was. Mm. Right. And I think me giving up myself allowed me to coach those guys on a junior college level the way I was able to do it. And I think I want to bring that same thing here to Cleary. They're going to get all of me. They might not like everything they see or hear, which is fine. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. And I'm not afraid for you to ask the question, but you'll know why I gave you the answer because you'll know who Coach Carl Thomas is. You mentioned starting a program from scratch. 
obviously great responsibility to start a men's and women's basketball program. It takes a lot of work and you've already been on it. Trying to be anyway. The evaluation process and just clear your side. When did this form for you? Like, when did you understand, like, I'm going to see someone and these are the intangibles or the skills needed, you know, to play at any level? I mean, believe it or not, it wasn't right away. When you get done playing, you know, you still see yourself as a player. So you're like, ah, I could do that. He can't do that. And I had to learn how to stop evaluating players on what I would do, right? You had to see what they would do and what you could project them to do. My first real thing about evaluation, I had a player at Eastern Michigan named Danny McElhaney, great shooter from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And he's only 5'11", and I'm 6'4", 6'4 and a half, and he's not taking shots in the game. Like, Danny, we work on this all the time. You got to let that go. And eventually, long story short, eventually he said, Coach, I can't see the rim. I'm not 6'4 like you. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay, that's why he's passing up shots. So it made me think about different ways that guys are good, right? And then I think it's a work in progress. Every year you learn something about from other coaches of what, what to look for, right? Whether it's his length and being able to be a good defensive player. Whether it's his motor. I think everybody wants a kid now with a good motor. That's a skill set that young people don't know about. Just playing hard. How to look for that, you know? Dan Brod says one thing about rebounding. If you get eight rebounds, nine rebounds a game in high school, you get eight, nine rebounds again in college, you're probably going to get into pros as well because that's ingrained in your head is the rebound. So just small things from my mentors and um, that I've been around the game that I've tried to pick up from. And people out there, probably not, kids in, at, at these scout events, if I score 30 points, I'm going to get a scout. No, you're not. It's not really how it works. We're looking for so much more than that. And, and just some of those small things, even bench decorum. How do you handle your teammates? You know, you can be fiery, but how do you how do you project it on your team or your coach? And there's a bunch of different things that you learn throughout this process of, of recruiting. And, and it's not an exact science, but at the end of the day, you have to know as a head coach what you want and what you're willing to put up with. And if you're not willing to put up with much, you better better understand that, that kid that you recruit better not give you that much. So I, I've had learned that, I think, in the 20 years. I'm still learning that process of it, but I do know any kid that I recruit is going to fit something in the characteristics of, what's gonna, uh, of myself and I think what's going to be successful. You know, one of the things I've really, really admired too is just your meticulous in recruiting. You know, you'll have a young man on campus and it won't just be 40 minutes with Coach Carl and send him over to admissions. And, and the admissions team does a wonderful job, but you, I mean, it'll be three hours. Yeah. <laughs> and and you're yeah. just, you know, you're really detailed. You want mom and dad to feel comfortable. You obviously want the recruit to make a connection with you. Right. How have you learned to be so transparent and honest in recruiting? You know, I, I guess the first start about the, the visits were is that my first official visits that I was taking people on tours, uh, Coach Ramsey gave me the, the duty of, of taking students around, student athletes around in Eastern Michigan for obvious reasons because I went to Eastern. So who can talk better about Eastern than, than me who played there and won championships there, right? So I think looking back on it, I took a lot of the my, my tour stuff from that, right, given the details. I don't want to leave any, any stone unturned. And I know sometimes when you first meet people for the first time, like face-to-face or recruiting by text or on the phone or doing these virtual stuff because of the pandemic, people are afraid to ask certain questions. So I feel the more detailed I am about certain things and give them the history about certain things, some questions might arise that they might not have thought of. I actually apologized. I helped with a missions visit last night for the softball team. And uh, Coach Bailey had me around and I was talking to his parents. She was like, I said, I apologize for going so long. I really do. She said, no, that's very informative. I'm, I'm glad you were here with us because, you know, you answered a lot of questions for me. So you do. I do want to make sure I'm not going overboard too much. Through my experience, I think that people have liked that way. And, again, on campus, we're a small community. So why not meet everybody that you're going to be involved with, from the housing director to the financial aid office to the athletic trainer? Everybody here is a pro with what they do. 
you know, I'm supposed to be the pro coach, so I can don't tell me how to dribble, tell them how to dribble a ball, make a free throw. I won't tell you how to tape an ankle. Right. Uh, so I need that they need to know who's protecting them. They need to know who's teaching them. They need to know who's advising them. So why not meet all those people right away? So if my son was a junior or a senior right now, why would JJ? Why should I send my son? To play for Carl Thomas. That's before or after I still him from the golf coach. Uh, <laughs> well, right now he was, you know, he's actually shooting hoops yesterday in the driveway. So we're, we're okay. trending back that way. Trending that way. Okay. I, I like that. I like that. You're going to get a man that is going to be relationship driven. You know, I think for, for you in general, yes, we have relationship, but some of the parents that I'm, because I'm recruiting don't have that. So you're not only recruiting that student athlete, you're recruiting the family as well. Uh, so I'm going to know your mom and dad. I'm going to know your brother and sisters. Uh, you're going to get a genuine person that's going to work hard for you. And at the end of the day, I'm going to give you some life lessons, some soft skills that have nothing to do with basketball that's going to help you in life. I think you have four years to impact a young man, and he wouldn't be here if he couldn't play basketball. That's a given. That's why you're here. That's why I'm recruiting you. What else can I give you I can leave you with when you leave me? That You know what? Coach Thomas helped me with that. And I, and I use that in my recruiting as well with parents. I said, you're going to get something more. Kids can't write in cursive. We'll have a cursive writing class if you want to for five minutes a day. Whatever. Kids come to my office. If you want to learn how to talk to the you know, board of water and light to, to pay a bill, I'll be in the office with the room, but you're going to make that phone call. And I'll coach you what to say, but eventually by the time you're a junior, you don't need me anymore for that. So you're getting more just in basketball with me. He's going to get the whole me. Um, again, all these young men that come in are my kids now. I have to treat them as such. So I met your wife the other day, or I re-met your wife, and you had your grandson, and you talked about your two sons. You also talked about being away in Pittsburgh and your wife here in Michigan and right. you know playing a big role in your family. How have you balanced being a college coach and a dad and a husband and a grandfather? Honestly, I don't know that I have. I mean, <laughs> it's to, to her tell it, I haven't at all, right? And, and my kids, the kids, the family does. I mean, it takes so much time up. The family... Family does miss out on some things, and and you have the right person that is going to allow you to fill their dreams and maybe put theirs on the back burner a little bit. I'm lucky that I was able to do that. Now they don't like everything that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, they miss dad a lot, miss me a lot, especially when I was in Pittsburgh. Even though they're older, I kind of have a stability in the household that because everybody I said when we were younger, everybody has their role in, in this house. As long as we do our roles in this house, us four, we're going to be fine, right? And now five with Kobe a little bit. So yeah, uh, everybody has a role. Let's just do it to the best of our ability. And with dad gone. That there's a big void there. So it's hard to do it even in the same house because now I'm still going, right? Still going out on a road recruiting. So it's not easy at all. We see this right now with some, you know, a famous football player who's having some of the similar issues right now, just living, being able to fulfill his dream, but it's hurting the family. So you got to be mindful of that. You know, you have to have take, take your breaks. As a head coach, I'm able to do that now, right? I can schedule the practice when I want to. If I want to leave early and cancel it, I can leave early. If I don't want to go on that recruiting trip, I don't have to go on that recruiting trip. So being a head coach now, you have that freedom to do that, and I think that'll help a little bit in my off-the-court life. But also, they know that dad's going to be dad when it comes to basketball, so I'm going to put my my heart and soul in it as well, too, with the understanding that there's times I can take breaks and it's okay to take a break. One of the coolest stories was the other day we were talking about the Lions game, and you're like, Joe, mm. I turned it off. I went grocery shopping with my wife. <laughs> You know, I just thought that. No, was... I let her watch the game, and I left. <laughs> she, she was she got excited, but I let her watch the game. I wouldn't shop. You know, last thing before we ended here is just like you mentioned, my son JJ, and you know, obviously your brother teases me that I'm going to be like the unofficial member of the family now moving forward. But yeah. you know, obviously, I'm raising a black son as a white man. I love what you said that your parents gave you and your brother time. Mm. But what would be just a small suggestion for me raising a black son? Well. First of all, I mean, anybody that does what you do to be a dad alone 
black or white, it does not matter. You're, you're there and you're spoiling him with his time right now. And he's going to appreciate it. Maybe not in this moment as he's seven, but the older he gets, he's going to know that dad was there and it was a constant fixture in his life. So I, I don't think the you know black or white thing has anything to do with being a great dad. And I know that I think you're being an exceptional dad. I'm in that. And I have uh, biracial kids, so... Uh, they have to get, they got the best of both worlds in a sense, right? They get to see it from both sides. But just being mindful of being a constant, right? He, JJ's always going to be able to go to you and his mom to know that you were there for him. So the biggest thing I would say about being a parent is, is what I said my parents did. If you're there with your time, I don't think it matters at all. Because my kids, for instance, they can go to their grandparents on my wife's side, just like they go to my parents on my side, and nothing changes. They're loved by both, but they're always constants in their lives and they're there for them no matter what. And I think as long as you keep doing that with JJ, you, you're going to do a great job. and He's going to grow up happy and healthy. So, Carl, I always end the podcast. What are some simple tips for young coaches? Come in with open mind to do anything. Sometimes the best coaches aren't the best players, but they will have the best nods because they're trying to soak up every little detail um, from how a coach might come in and sit down and put his chair in the morning. Right. Ask a bunch of questions. Don't think that you have it, have it mastered. I just said a few minutes ago, I'm 20 years in the game. I'm still trying to learn it on a coaching level. But make relationships are very important as well. Get out and meet these people. You never know who you connect with. But at the end of the day, stay true to who you are in all of that, in all of that, because that genuineness comes out. Because if you're not loyal and, and not genuine, people can see that, right? But people want to help people that are genuine and loyal, and you'll, you'll move up a lot faster. I mean, as these young African-American coaches, don't be afraid to do jobs that you want to do. Everybody can't be on the bench right away. Be willing to do the things that people won't do to stand out. Dusty May, for instance, I worked with at Eastern Michigan. Dusty did all the scouts. Dusty started as a GA and a manager at Indiana, assistant that will go recruit anywhere. Right, He would do anything. He was very, very reliable, very, very knowledgeable as well. But with that loyalty that he had and with his knowledge that he gained by doing anything and willing to do anything to learn about the business, now he's the head coach of Florida Atlantic University and doing a great job. Um, and Dusty was not afraid to do anything and take on any challenge. So I'll be wide open to anything that anything that's in front of you. You should be okay. You know, before we end, you mentioned the other day that when you were at Eastern Michigan, I have to share this, that Coach Ramsey said, hey, would you – be interested in like learning about transcripts and evaluating transcripts. Yeah. And you say, like, I, I didn't really want to do it at first. But then after a while, it's like, you know what, if this is going to help me in my career and help coach Ramsey, I'm yeah. going to do this. Is that just yeah. an example of just being yeah. willing to do anything for anyone you yeah. know, for your coach? Yeah. Now it came to the point to where everybody on the staff, as well as coach was like, Hey, got that transcript evaluated yet. <laughs> um, but I showed my value, my worth, right? It's things that we weren't getting done and we needed it done. And also now as a head coach, I'm able to fall back on that experience, right? Some Dobo experience that I'm getting, even the scheduling with a Dobo, you have to schedule as a head coach. So why not do it if you have to get in as a Dobo? Why not do it as a Dobo? It's part of the job. But it's going to help you as a head coach because you understand practice times. You understand what guys might need some rest. You might understand what kind of tournaments MTE means for tournaments. So there's different things that you can gain by even being in a support staff role. But the transcripts one, yeah, I didn't think it was going to help me. I didn't really want to do it at first. And looking back on it now, you know, I can get a kid, I can look at a transcript now and say, okay, I can get him in. I can't get him in without having to pull my hair out, even though I'm bald right now, because of the experience that I had that, that uh, Coach Ramsey gave me the opportunity to do. So, Carl, this has been awesome. You know, I really, really, really look forward to seeing you every day. Not because you have this vibrant, amazing personality. You also have this sense of calmness. You seem to calm me down every day. Mm. You might not notice that, but you just, yeah. you know, you take a deep breath and you always, you know, we've only been together seven or eight days, but you seem to help me through some things. And I always feel so much better. You're like my, almost like uh, 
my other voice. We're gonna <laughs> be in, we're gonna be in here together for a while. So but, it's you know we gotta build that relate. They say I'm a relationship man, right? <laughs> we have one outside. We haven't worked together like this before. So if you really think about it, Joe, I'm gonna be the same guy that you met on the road and seen all those times that I'm gonna be in his office. We just get the chance to interact a little bit more. Well. High-level person, obviously high-level player, and I wanted to give respect to you as a player. Just incredible when you, like last night I sat down, I was like, man, it is insane. And it's just remarkable. And a true credit to you and your work ethic and your passion and your family and your coaches. But, I mean, you obviously got it done. You know, high-level winning. You, you've went on this adventure now for 20 years. You've learned so much. You're going to be tremendous here at Cleary and obviously for years to come here. The one thing I'll take away this from this, and I hope young coaches do, is that you're never stop learning. You don't have all the answers. You're approaching it like, how can I get better? And I just think there's a, a mindset, a growth movement in you that's just commendable. So I thank you for taking time. And truly thank you for helping young coaches. Uh, thank you for uh, having me on the platform. You had Charles first, and I'm disappointed about that. But he is the older twin. <laughs> so I, I know my place, and I waited my time. So I appreciate you having me, Kevin. That was a great conversation with Coach Carl Thomas. Here are some things that I love that Coach Carl said. I love the game, and the game has given me so much. I love being around the guys, and I love the smell of the gym. Only five Mac schools have ever been to the Sweet 16, and they can't take that away from us. How about what Tim McCormick said, that Coach Thomas looked like he belonged on the floor, and how his parents raised two sons that made it to the highest level. How about when Coach Thomas talked about shooting the basketball? So detailed, so darn good. Ben Braun was like an English teacher. He was detailed. Time management, 15-minute rule. He was an English teacher first who taught his class on the floor. Keith Dambra is a relationship-driven person. He stays loyal to the guys who have helped him win. Love that. How about notes from the first day of practice over 30 years ago? And I think Coach Thomas did a great job of describing how Coach Dambrot is such a defensive-minded coach. You have to love how Coach Carl Thomas talked about the role of his parents in his life and how his parents spoiled him with time. Love this. How about why Coach Thomas was so attracted to Cleary University? The opportunity to be a head coach again, how it was close to home, and his relationship with Cleary's athletic director, Heather Bateman. Gotta love when Coach Thomas talked about the mindset of an assistant coach to do anything I can to support my boss. Pretty cool to hear how Coach Thomas talked about how Coach Charles Ramsey helped him grow so much as a coach. Finally, you have to admire how genuine Coach Thomas is. I'm not going to lie to get a player. Your players are like your sons, like your kids, Coach Dad, and how that still pops up on the phone 10 years later. I want to lead by example. I want to be real. I want to be relationship driven. I want to be genuine, and they are going to get all of me. I also love Coach Thomas's vulnerability about discussing how raising a family when being a coach. Finally, Coach Thomas's tips for young coaches Come in with an open mind to do anything. Stay true to who you are. Be genuine and be loyal. Thank you, Coach Carl Thomas, for sharing your story. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform that you are currently listening. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Instagram at Tell Me Your Story Coach. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Twitter at Coach Kevin Dro. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Kevin Mondro. Again, if you're looking for high-quality athletic gear and uniforms, check out Moneyball Sportswear. I can't say this enough. If you're looking for a great book to read, you have to grab a copy of the book Deep, The Life of Rob Murphy, Alive with Purpose. Finally, if you are looking for another amazing book, pre-order Rashad Phillips' book, Basketball Position Metric. Stay safe. I can't say this enough. 
be you. Keep coaching and see you on the next episode of the Tell Me Your Story Coach podcast.